0: Welcome in to another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I am Kieran Seckley. With me, as always, is a man who is proof that Vegas is the real city that never sleeps. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing?
1: The thing about Vegas, it's the time change. If you're coming from the Eastern Time Zone and then you're staying up all <laughs> night in Vegas, it's like, oh, it's up 24 hours in a row, and then I. I Remind me to never take a red eye out of the Pacific time zone again. I, I'm just now like getting my bearings, just now feeling like a normal human again. But excited about this week's podcast. We finally have some some stuff of substance to talk about. I think we've got some good news and updates and speculation mm-hmm. regarding the Tigers roster um, after GM meetings in Vegas.
0: Yeah, so we'll get to those GM meetings in a second, but we we took a week off. You were having a little family trip. You and I got to hang out uh for a little bit as well and that was awesome as it yeah. always is with you being up in Michigan and me in Texas here like you know those opportunities don't come across as often as we would like but you know such is life but one of the news items that we did not get to was the tiger of the year was announced now this award has been Relatively unceremonious. The past several years, it's it's a bunch of guys that you're probably not gonna look at in 20 years and be like, oh yeah, remember, remember when he was on the Tigers? This year, you could make the argument it was a little foreshadowing, I guess. You know, Riley Green, Tiger of the Year. I, okay, here's what I thought. Here's what I thought. And, and and then I'll just get my little thoughts and then you kind of take it from take it from there cuz I know you got some thoughts on this I was just a twinkle in my uh, father's eye when the NBA 50th anniversary team was named and Shaquille O'Neal was put on that team Shaquille O'Neal obviously went on to have a career That warranted being, he's obviously well within the top 50 greatest player of all time. However, I think you could probably say at the time, it probably wasn't necessarily warranted based on his play in the pros. So, and by the way, I was completely lying just then. I was actually a lie when it happened. I just wanted to kind of seem younger for a second as I approached 30. That's just a self-issue that I'm working through. But, (laughs) anywho, Riley Green to me, and this is, I don't want it to seem like dismissive of what I thought was a greatly positive rookie season for Riley Green, but you could argue Was it a little bit of forecasting to name him the number one Tiger of the year when he didn't play until, what was it? We established this a couple weeks ago. June, late June. Early June, June. Juneteenth. Juneteens, or late June. So, you know, like, again, the team wasn't very good. He was a bright spot. I don't want to harp on this too much, but yeah, was he Tiger of the year? Is it it might be one of those things where it looks a lot better in 10 years without like the context of the season than as it does right now. And that's just sort of my spiel on it. I'm not saying I hate it. I get it. But I also think uh, there was different directions that in the moment we could have gone. That's just my thing. You got some thoughts on it. What do you
1: think? I have some pretty strong feelings on this. I should preface all of them by saying, I guess the reality is there. You know, the easiest thing to do would be to, like, punt. Can I just not vote on Tiger of the Year? Because there wasn't really a Tiger of the Year. Um, All that said, I don't think it should have been Riley Green. And I love Riley Green. I'm very bullish on his potential. Like, of, of all the things that I'm positive about regarding the Tigers, it's Riley Green. And I thought his rookie year was positive. And he hit 253, 321 on base, five homers, played very good defense. You know, he's worth 0.9 wins above replacement, according to fan graphs. He was good, he only played 93 games, like, where, who thought he was the number one? I think amongst day-to-day Tigers beat writers, we had kind of been talking about, <laughs> wow, who's going to vote for Tiger, or who are we going to vote for for Tiger of the Year since, like, July, knowing it would be a very hard decision. Uh, At the end of the season, I talked with a couple other beat writers, like, who are you guys going to vote for? Because, I mean, I didn't want it to be a complete group thing, but I wanted us to, like, maybe be on the same page. Because, statistically, the leader in wins above replacement, at least among position players, Javier Baez. And I thought there was a little bit too much bias against Javier Baez. Obviously, like you come in and yeah, he was disappointing. He was frustrating. He was still the best player on the team, statistically. Led the team in homers. Led the team in wins above replacement. Yeah, he struck out too much. Yeah, he led the league in errors, yeah. but
0: facts. Who's,
1: who was the best player on the team? Factually, by the numbers, it was Javi Baez. So then it's, okay, right. how do we vote for rewards? Do we base it just on war? What kind of context do we consider? Having really thought about it, we were asked to submit two names for Tiger of the Year. I put Javi Baez second. I wasn't comfortable voting for him number one, uh, but I thought he deserved credit. So then it's like, okay, who else? Well, Eric Haas was pretty good, you know, Eh, played 110 games, was more better against lefties, Eh, 14 home runs. Is he really like the Tiger of the Year? I thought Eric Haas had a good year. I couldn't convince myself to vote for it. There were a handful of bullpen guys who were good. No one was really like, oh, that's the Tiger of the Year. And then, after a lot of debate, I thought, who was the best at their job? I think it was Tarek Skubal. I know he was hurt. He still led this team in Mm. in innings pitched. He led the entire team with 2.9 F-War. And when he was healthy, he was among the best probably top three left-handed starters in the American League. So I voted Scoobble one, Baez two. Um, If someone else, you know, wanted to go Haas or even Riley, I would understand that. What really rubs me the wrong way is these awards are voted on by the Detroit BBWAA chapter. People with BBWAA cards include... A lot of people who don't cover the team day-to-day anymore, who probably haven't in literally decades, or people who don't cover the team every day but somehow have a card when they shouldn't. So six players got first-place votes. Scoobo, Haas, Harold Castro got three first-place votes. You know, I know hitting Harold, he, he he hits. Harold Castro was... I.
0: And his name is Harold. His
1: name, his name is Harold. I'm looking right now to see his war, and I can't find it because I'm having to scroll... Too far down this page. Negative zero point four. Three people voted for him for the best player on the team. Stop, Miguel Cabrera. What are what are we doing? He was literally the worst player on the team in terms of WAR. Uh, yeah, he had he had, he had an All Star appearance. He got three thousand hits. Tiger of the year? Really? Gregory Soto got two votes. Gregory Soto. And Javi Baez got one place one first place vote. Again, I liked Baez's case more than most. I still did not give him that first place vote. So who in the world were are the people voting on these and what were they doing? I I guess I can accept Riley Green as rookie of the year would not have been my choice.
0: Some of the other votes were just ridiculous. Tiger of the Year. Tiger of the Year. Um I like that you went Scooby. I like that because if nothing else, and, you know, we're talking about it now, a reminder of just how good he was because we're, I think when we're looking back, obviously we're going to think of the injury. And then we're also going to probably remember, like, the the Valley. And I, I don't want to get too far into it because we've talked about it ad nauseum, but the Valley. And then he was really coming. He started out hot, had the Valley, was coming into his own. Injury, flexor, surgery, all that stuff, we know. But when you put the numbers out there, it makes it look a lot better than I think we would just remember. And the bias case is also apparent in that regard. The Miguel one, like, you just gotta, if you're gonna vote him number one, you have to include a note. It's like, I'm just doing this because he's old. Be, or I didn't watch the second half of the season. Just include that note. And I think it'd be okay. this this also speaks to a little bit of a a weird aspect, and I didn't necessarily anticipate going into this, but we can go into it for a second. This also speaks to a little bit of a weird aspect of like the current media culture. Current who is media? You know, in this digital age, like for real, for real. Because look. We we've been on podcasts. You've been on plenty of podcasts, and you know you read like blog. I say blogs just as a general term. I don't mean that derogatory, like some would. We read a lot of blogs of people who follow this team day to day and look at this team in depth and write about them. And there's gonna be people that vote on these awards. And it's not just Tiger of the Year, obviously. It's this. This is like a whole you know, generalized idea. But it's like people that like don't cover the team, don't watch the team, aren't like invested in knowing the intricacies of the team. I don't mean that like emotionally invested. You know what I mean? Where it's like you're invested in knowing everything you can about the day-to-day and, you know, this guy and that guy and the moves and all that stuff. There's a lot of votes on here that make me think you're not actually qualified to be voting to be honest on on award like this i know tiger year isn't gold glove it's not mvp it's not cy young but you know what i mean like this is all it's it's just like a little microcosm of it you know what i mean so like
1: in theory these same people are it's a lot of old guard it's a lot of those awards because they're part of the bbwa chapter I vote, guess what vote I had? I had freaking yeah? manager of the year. I didn't vote on any of the quote unquote big awards. Sounds like the freaking dudes who voted for men or women who voted for Miguel Cabrera as Tiger of the Year were probably voting on, you know, something else. That's kind of concerning. These are the people who have Hall of Fame votes. That's pretty concerning. Yeah. It's a problem. Yeah. I don't know what you do about yeah. it exactly, but it's. No, no, How, how about it. you make it, you have to show up and cover the team to vote on awards? That's what I. No. Mm. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, again, we, this kind of ties back a little bit to when you talked about like your impression of Scott Harris's press conference, we were like, wow, there's like a (laughs) lot, like, like a little reminder of how big the media market is of Detroit. And I'm sure, I hope, I would guess not everybody, but the majority of people that would have a vote were probably at the press conference. I would say, I would guess I was not there, obviously.
1: But... Mitch Albom wasn't at that press conference. He has a vote.
0: there's, There's a legacy element, and I'm... Yes, you're right. There's a legacy element to this that I think needs to be veered off from in order to really move forward. If that makes sense. And it's funny we're talking about votes like, you know, less than a week after the midterm election... And, you know, but it's like there are some things for voting for awards that there ought to be some qualifiers where it's like there ought to be maybe like a committee. It's like if you voted for this, you might have to review your (laughs) membership for uh, (laughs) for BBWA or at least voting. I don't know. Like it just there's there's too much of that. And we run into that. We run into those problems all the time with Hall of Fame voting. All the time, this is a real thing. So I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you feel passionately. I want to reiterate again: this is not an indictment no, of not. Riley Green. He's, he's probably going to win
1: many of these awards. Uh, so he's he's got a head start on his account.
0: He's going to win many of these awards. I I just yeah, head start. This is probably one of those things we're probably anticipating and looking at hype more than performance. And you know what? I think it would have been awesome if Javier Baez would have won Tiger of the Year to sort of give us a, like a reminder of like some of the good and also like the results of the team being not so hot, you know. But that he would have won Tiger of the Year, but there's a certain aspect of Javier where he's just, you know, the public goes this way. I'm gonna go against the grain, going up against the grain. Javier wasn't as bad as you think. That, that, that's all. That's all. I'm not gonna like defend him. That much, but he's not as bad as y'all think. So we can move on. Speaking of Scott speaking of Harris. O- it's going to be the starting shortstop next we, year. Speaking we of... We know this. Yes, we've gotten a little bit more clarity, which, you know, was was promised. It's, it's kind of funny. Like, every GM sort of, like, has some sort of... Or GM, president of ops, you know, you know what I mean? The number one in the front office. Has some sort of, like, end-of-season press conference or availability and then they typically say well you know we'll be more honest at gm meetings it's sort of like a setup <laughs> and, and and scott was you know scott was no different and to his credit like he talked about a litany of subjects and before we kind of get to his words and kind of interpreting what he meant um you were there you were in vegas what, what was that like we're this is the first time we've had something like this uh post-pandemic right
1: Yeah, no, it was it was really nice to have like the baseball world together in one place. You know, for me, it was kind of cool to think, oh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not starstruck by these people anymore. But when you're in the same room as you know Brian Cashman and Dave Dombrowski and every general manager in baseball, it's like, oh, this is this is chill. And all the writers are there, and you get to, you know, one thing people probably don't realize about my job, it can be very weird in that you don't see your coworkers hardly at all, and the people you hang out with the most at work are actually your competitors and uh, Mm, so it was nice to like feel like I work for a company and and you know hang out with friends that I haven't seen in a long time that was really nice it was really fun GM meetings. some people ask like what actually goes on here I think it is more of a networking thing than than anything I mean teams meet with agents of course and and can start discussing trades and I think there are benefits but is it really kind of a glorified like networking session yeah I think so
0: well look, there's a lot of value in that and you know I think it's important to note that when you say networking, it's also about Scott Harris potentially maybe finding you know a name or the next GM candidate which again, we'll get into that that's probably this is true down the line but networking all around for people in baseball and then the people that cover baseball I, I just think that's that's noted. Scott was <sighs> it's funny. You think, like, you know, the Tigers record and, you know, they don't get that many, like, nationally televised games. And, you know, justifiably so. That's an accident, right? And MLB Network, I feel like, does a good job of making, like, every si- every team, like, kind of feel represented. And he, d- he does an interview, and we'll get to that in a second. But I feel like Scott was, you know, one of the hotter guys I was kind of being talked about or talked to or whatever. You wrote about him this week and he seemed rather transparent. He seemed like a guy, he, he seemed like he gave like the off season desires while also doing his thing. Well, you know, no stone left unturned or, you know, we're going to explore every option and that kind of thing. But we, I feel like we were able to kind of gather a little bit of what his priorities were.
1: Yeah, I think in some ways I was a little disappointed by his media session. I think it was just, hard to pin him down on anything and then at the same time I have to realize like that's probably how he has to be especially at this point in the offseason and one of Al Avila's flaws could be being overly honest and probably (laughs) telegraphing and number one I think some of the vagueness about Harris's session speaks to he's probably not entirely sure like there are multiple pathways to building a roster whereas Al know this pretty much for a fact he saw we're gonna get a first baseman we're gonna get a second baseman we're gonna get a shortstop we're gonna spend this much on each and that was the plan and in reality especially in the modern environment you have to be more open-minded and flexible than that and i think harris certainly sees that that's probably part of why he was a little vague about "What, what are we gonna do with scope what are we gonna do about jamer what you know how interested are you in the trade market He did outline three priorities, a right-handed hitting outfielder, a left-handed hitting infielder, and pitching. Um, So he laid that out. He expressed some interest in upgrading at catcher, but kind of made catcher and first base seem more secondary priorities, expressed faith in Spencer Torkelson, but left the door open for probably bringing in another first baseman. You know, I would have liked a little more specifics, and certainly the right-handed infielder thing i went back and was like or left-handed hitting and left excuse me i went back and was like oh this this is really interesting because i assume he's not talking about first base because he mentioned first base separately so if you're looking for a third base shortstop second baseman who hits left-handed well you got a pretty small pool of players to deal with so How are you going to get one of these guys? Um, And and I understand you need to add some balance to the lineup in the infield. But I thought thought that in particular was very interesting. Makes me think a trade is likely, you know, I posted on Twitter kind of a look at the free agents who are left-handed hitting infielders and the options aren't great. So that one had me scratching my head uh, quite a bit. And makes me, uh, all this was just like a preview. It's like, all right, Scott, I want to know, now we know a little bit about your thinking. Now I want to know more. Now I want to know like what's actually going on behind the scenes here. And I got a little insight and intel on that that we can can get to later. But first I kind of want to get your
0: thoughts on everything Scott said. I mean, here's my thing. He does not want to pigeonhole himself. So it's actually kind of interesting to say like we need a right handed outfielder and a left handed infielder. Cause you could say pitching and I, I I'm I'm guessing. I'm guessing every single front office head said we want to bolster pitching depth. Right. I'm guessing. I'm right. pretty sure everybody said that right-handed outfielder left-handed infielder the right-handed outfielder things like more apparent because you're just riddled with left-handed outfielders left-handed in or left-handed infielder if you're not looking at first base that means you're looking for someone who's oppo slash a switch right so you that, that's really the real reason that things are narrowed down is because you're not right so my thought is I liked that he was pinpointing but i have to give him the benefit of the doubt that if he's going to say something like left-handed hitting infielder knowing the free agent market is scarce that he's got ideas in mind because otherwise you and i could just go out there and say like yeah you know i'd like a right-handed hitting outfielder who like hit like 60 home runs last year And, yeah, it'd be nice, you know, but like, you know, but there's not not really like a real plan behind there to try to sign Aaron Judge, right? So the fact that he was somewhat specific, I feel like that's a good way to kind of phrase it, like somewhat specific. The fact that it was (laughs) somewhat specific makes me think that he's got names in mind and methods in mind, Now, I say I give him the benefit of the doubt because if he doesn't, then it seems like, why are we even here? Why are you even saying this? What is the purpose of saying you're going in this direction? I I feel like you can't really say that without making some sort of move, if that makes sense. again, a specific, when you're talking about and I'm really more... Because, you know, there's a million right-handed hitting outfielders, right? I just feel like if you're looking for up the middle and third base, I guess maybe somebody who could play both corners in a pinch, you're really... And again, you don't want someone who's like a full-time, full-time first baseman. So that, so you're looking for someone who throws righty, that hits lefty, or at least is a switch, who's available. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we're, you know, Jason
1: Peterson is a free agent who would actually be a, a pretty good fit you on know, your spreadsheet. That, you're checking these guys off. There's that, not I that many know. after that. I don't know. Brandon Lau is the best trade target I could find uh, from the Rays. I don't know if he's they're actually trying to trade him. So
0: I just feel like like I want to so here's what I want to believe.
1: I'm not I'm not being no, critical. No, I understand. Like I think the Tigers do need this and yeah. I think it's I think Scott'll probably find someone. I'm just like racking my yeah. brain like how is he gonna do it and who yeah. is it gonna be? And I'm a little no, bit No, stumped.
0: you're right. So what I'm what I'm saying is that like I like the Scott Harris hire. I believe that he is a guy who is thoughtful and who He plays chess, right? So, like, if this happens, then we go here. If that happens, then we go here. And I think those are the best kind of guys to have running your organization. So, if he's going to put something out there, I have to assume that there's some sort of, like... There are scenarios that have been brought up in the meetings of, like, could we do this? Could we go here? Could we talk to this person? Is this an open possibility? Like, I just... I just don't think you can narrow it down that far, which again, it's not that narrow, but narrowing it down that far without really, especially, look, it's his first time being in charge of a baseball team. I think he's a smart guy. You've talked to him. I, you know, like he appears to be a smart guy. Tell me if I'm wrong. Your first time being in charge of a baseball team, you're going to say something like that you're gonna say that we need to do this and then you're gonna goose egg it i have i have a tough time believing that someone as smart as him would goose egg it so i believe there's some sort of move that will be made i'm not saying it's gonna be the sexy move there's some sort of move that will be made that he's already conceived he's already knows is like a great possibility that will happen. And that's why he felt comfortable going out and saying these things. I just don't think he would just say something to say it that, you know, I just have to judge what I interpret his words. And, and that's the thing is he's all words right now. I've seen Detroit fans are so, (laughs) is this a side note? (laughs) They're so desperate for a winner. And look, me too. Me too. Is that everybody's tired of words. And that's kind of unfair to Scott because he literally just took this job, but it's like, Everyone's always like, oh, his words are great, but you know, it's gonna be actions. It's like, well, why don't we give him one move? One off season maybe before we say his actions suck, you know. Like we, we you know, there's let's not jump to the gung here a little bit. So I believe him to be a thoughtful person who would not just go out and say something unless he had a plan to address it, even if it's not gonna be the long-term answer or the sexy move or whatever. I just have to kind of, it's more of my betting on what I believe the person Scott Harris to be.
1: Yeah. So let's, let's get to the good stuff. A little bit of insight from some industry sources. Uh, I talked to quite a few agents at GM meetings and some other well-connected people in the baseball industry, kind of trying to answer some of these questions we just presented. Like, okay, here's what Scott said. What is he really doing? And I think one thing that was apparent, this guy's super well-respected in the industry. Pretty much everyone you ask about Scott Harris had the same thing. A really smart, really great guy. Also known for keeping things pretty close to the vest, being pretty tight with what he says. I think not just within the media, probably even when he's up meeting with, with agents, too. He's really not sure. telegraphing. Yeah. He's not overplaying his hand. That seems to be very much... The Scott Harris style. That's what n- okay. multiple people. Calculated. Thought. Pretty calculated a chess player, no doubt. Now, there was, I think early on, a sense like, okay, are the Tigers just kind of punning this year? Like, are they, are they, like, why are they even talking to agents? Are they going to sign anyone? Well, take it all with a grain of salt. I'm not saying this is fact, but I had multiple people tell me one person who's pretty, pretty reliable think the tigers are going to be a little more active than they're getting credit for and now that doesn't mean they're going to sign aaron judge that doesn't mean they're going to sign justin verlander let's set realistic expectations here but i was told i think they'll be in on mid-level free agents you know who exactly is that that's that's another fair question you know does mitch Haniger, a right-handed outfielder count as a mid-level free agent Yeah, i was early indications are there's not much interest there Probably the biggest rumor of winter meetings was the Tigers being linked to Wilson Contreras at catcher. Right. Um, I think that's a really interesting rumor. I think I can – I've already gone both ways on it. You just look on paper. This guy can freaking mash. One of the top catchers in terms of war, he probably improves your baseball team. At the same time, he's not going to be super cheap. He's probably seeking at least $80 million. Um, he's not known as a very good defender, even beyond the metrics. He's not known as a very good game, game caller. Uh, you got a young pitching staff a pitching staff coming off a lot of injuries. That doesn't seem like what AJ would want at catcher. Uh, but I think AJ is also a spot where he just wants good baseball players. Um, so I was kind of asking like, are they, are they actually in on Contreras and, I'm going to say for now, I get the sense that that might be overblown uh, when you see tweets from Morosi being like, these teams are in on Contreras. Again, think about where this stuff is coming from. I don't know John's sources, but it sounds like an agent thing, and I think that would make sense sure. because I had another agent tell me, I don't think there's much of a market for Contreras at all. And think about them. Oh. Think about the trade. Do- Cubs have been trying to trade them for forever. They haven't done it. They haven't... Other than this deal with Houston that didn't happen, uh, he's been difficult to trade because teams are viewing him more as a DH than a catcher. Now, I think that creates another interesting scenario for the Tigers. Say Contreras' market tanks. Maybe then, I'm like, hey, if we can get a bargain deal on Wilson Contreras,
0: why not? $0.75 cents yeah, on the yeah, dollar or so like I that? think
1: it's one to watch, I would say, for right now, I believe, based on... People I've talked to, and it's not everyone, I could be wrong, but I believe the interest in Wilson Contreras is overstated. At the same time, I know Scott Harris has presented a plan. I know he and A.J. Hinch have been very much in lockstep. I think part of that plan is operating like the Giants, being very aggressive on the waiver wire. There's this weird analogy about, like, it doesn't fully make sense, but basically you're treating the 26-man roster like a 30-man roster. Like, I think that gives us an idea of how often – basically bench guys could be trading in and out based on who's hot, who's cold, based on matchups. I think we could see a lot of different infielders. We're already seeing the Tigers make a ton of waiver claims. I think that's part of the plan, um, and I think the Tigers could make, could be somewhat active in free agency. Again, not sexy, but looking for some smart, shrewd deals for kind of these mid-level players. That's so far, what I've been able to glean about what their actual plan looks like.
0: So I'm not as in-tuned in hockey as I used to be in my youth. I don't know but anything about under- hockey. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it's my understanding that Steve Eisman, the Red Wings made a lot of solid signings. Mm-hmm. And so far, to this season, it seems like they played well. Not overrating it, they played well, and... One of those teams that maybe you know someone may you know crap on me in the comments or whatever and I'm wrong and you know I'll accept it. But one of those teams that like could compete for the playoffs, but it's not really like playoffs or bust with like these signings. So when you say like could be more active than expected, that's sort of what I'm thinking is like those like just a bunch of solid right. signings, right. and maybe a bunch is like too strong of a word, but you know what I mean, like some solid signings, and the Contreras thing. To be honest to me, the whole time kind of reeked of agent stuff, uh, it I just feel like you don't you don't do a Contreras signing if you're the Tigers and sort of pack it in the rest of the offseason. No. You know, like like and, you, and, and you, I had you, a tough you,
1: time you, the Cardinals are gonna go from one of the best defensive catchers in the history of the
0: game to Wilson Contreras. So I don't I don't know that the Cardinals are that interested. I don't know. And and 80 million dollars just for some references uh the highest paid catcher JT over in Philadelphia, he makes basically 24 million dollars, Salvador Perez 20 million and it, there's a lot of discrepancy. Our boy James McCann reckoning 12.15, <laughs> 12.15 million for next season. Uh and that's and he's the fourth highest paid catcher. No one else is making more than ten or more than eight. I should say next year. This is obviously prior to any free agency stuff. So that would be a weird one because then you're rolling with like a comp behind like behind him with like Haas, who we think we think has earned his way, but is not above being replaced, and Jake Rogers. So you're gonna have potentially just two hitting catchers. Is that going to mesh with AJ? Like, you know, like that that's a weird one. Now, don't get me wrong. They sign him. I'll be excited because, you know, he's a quality ball player. And, hell, maybe it's just one of those things. We just go all in on offense and say defense, whatever. But it just reeked as agency drumming up interest. And it worked because now we get updates every other day of, like, all these teams that are in on Contreras. And you could probably argue it was low hanging fruit to connect contreras to the tigers because obviously they got to, I they got to they most likely will sign a catcher and then you have the connection with Harris and Contreras from Chicago and to Harris's credit he went on MLB Network and the first question i forget which former ball players uh, asked it i I wish I knew. I don't think it was Sean Casey, although he was on that. It was like, so you're interested, in was it Gutierrez? And Scott Harris was like, hey guys, thanks for having me on and thanks for the uh, softball question to start out this interview. <laughs> Which, if we're talking about, uh, if we're talking about Scott Harris and the things that we like, then, uh, you know, that's one of the things I would deem a redeeming quality to have that kind of sense of humor. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just a guy that, you know appreciate someone who has a good sense of humor i you know you know, Cody and i we we do a, we do a good bit of laughing on this podcast we like to, we laugh at ourselves you know we've talked about things of you know our L's or our pitfalls i'm still wearing a knee brace by the way my knee feels okay but it's still a little <laughs> sore if people listened to our last podcast um so it, it, you know when we poke fun at somebody just know that we also poke fun of ourselves and you know if i'm gonna like stereotype some ivy League looking dude from the bay area he's gonna be in vegas what water do i think he's gonna be drinking <laughs> you know it's not great value it's gonna be fiji and what happened scott harris talking to the media He's got himself a little Fiji water. So, you know, yeah. You know, I, I, I guess if the shoe fits, I guess if the shoe fits, you know, that's just my faraway observation. I was like, of course, Scott Harrison is button up is drinking a Fiji water. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong I don't with know, that, if that but was, you know.
1: Maybe that was like a like a hospitality thing. I, I do think I did end up seeing a couple other execs with Fiji. But maybe that's just what you drink when you're a baseball executive. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I can tell you that, like, a bottle of Aquafina is, like, six bucks in Vegas, and a, I, I literally paid $15 a pop for Bud Lights, so uh, I am broke, and it's not just from gambling, <laughs> and, you know, and Scott was, like, sitting there, yeah, Scott killed his introductory presser and was very good after that. I think since we started to get a few more inklings, he's, he's you know, he's got to adjust to being the face and the voice, and he was kind of nervously screwing the... T- the top one and off the Fiji, <laughs> yeah, just kind of got his
0: elbows <laughs> locked out, you know. It's it <laughs> so, like a nervous tic, you know. One time, uh, one time I gave a speech in class and I had a, I had like a pen, and I, I kept, I I kept day, doing, so I kept guilty. doing this, yeah. and the, I didn't even realize it, and the a professor, you know, justifiably so, like knocked me some points because I was just kind of, you know, yeah. do that and. uh... And so maybe that was just like a nervous twitch I didn't realize. Maybe just the screwing and unscrewing of the cap is just sort of his little <laughs> his little thing to make his hands move when he's got cameras in his face. I don't know. But it had to be Fiji. I, I texted you. I was like, his ass better get comforted with uh, Aquafina real fast. Real fast.
1: That's <laughs> Pepsi product. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but, you know. I think
1: that's all you're getting at, America.
0: In that environment, you know, because look, you, you see from us far away, we see him. He doesn't have a jacket on. He doesn't have a tie on. Um, But he's still kind of got to be like, you know, the face of something, even if he's like, it's like this, this balance between being like relaxed and then also sort of still like front and center professional or whatever. Like, you know, in that kind of environment of him being his first time kind of doing it that way, like, what'd you think?
1: No, he, I mean, he was good. He, he continues to absolutely come across as a likable guy. Like I said, you can tell he's very smart. You can also tell he's, he's very professional and, and keeps certain things close to the vest and is pretty calculated. So uh, my, my opinion on him really hasn't changed much since the introductory presser other than um, maybe a little bit of feeling out with the media and getting used to the being the face and the voice. But it certainly seems like the Tigers are in good hands with this guy. It was interesting, you know, I met a few GMs that I'd never met before, Farhan Zaidi, Haim Bloom, uh, Matt Arnold with the Brewers was like a really chill guy, Zaidi was like uh, a lot more relaxed than for some reason I thought he would be, you know, and then it's just interesting to see like the spectrum of how these different executives act, because you get some of the old guys, you get some who are super uptight, you get some who are super relaxed, Um, and to see them all like in the same room in the same place, it was just kind of... It was just really interesting to me. Yeah, well... And on that spectrum, Scott very much fits the mold of, like, the smart young yeah. exec, who you can tell is a cool guy. You can also tell fits the, like, business school profile. Like, he's, he's kind of exactly what you would think he would be, I think.
0: Yeah, and I imagine that if you're, like, a seasoned GM or president of Ops or, you know, whatever your title is, you're... You know, he'd probably be a little bit more chill in this, you know, or, you know, whereas your first time? You know? Yeah, like
1: Cashman, like, far more approachable than I would have imagined. I didn't personally talk to Cashman, but I watched him just, like, be very chill. It's like, I'm like, like this guy's the head of the Yankees, you know. He's inundated it's, with this stuff all the time, yeah. and he was, unlike every college football coach in America, like, he was just pretty chill and approachable.
0: How was the Detroit media contingent there in Vegas?
1: Um, You know, I think a lot... Probably like four of the five core beat writers were there. That's good rep. Everyone made an effort to go with it being, uh, being, you know, having a new head of baseball ops It was kind of uh, important to be there. So, you know, really it was as well represented. Obviously not as big a beat as any, but in terms of like percentage of writers who made the trip, Tigers probably ranked uh, very high on that list, largely because of, of Scott, of course.
0: Sure. Yeah. So, you know, that's all good to hear and there was a lot of chatter so one of the things that i feel like we can kind of like when when the best minds of baseball get together which by the way like it's called gm meetings is any like is there any other like representation like from teams there or is it literally just you know, GM slash president of ops. Like a...
1: Yeah, at the, at, at the rate we're going, we're going to have to change it to president of baseball operations. Because <laughs> <you know, so. laughs> so every team's got the pobo now. Um, you know, I think usually, like, kind of the, the core brain trust tends to be there. You know, you'd see executives, like, Carlos Rodriguez from the Rays. Like, you'd see the, kind of the GMs, the assistant GMs. Um, the Tigers had Scott Harris. Sam Minzen was there. Scott Bream, the head of pro scouting, was there. Um, I didn't see Jay Sartori, the other assistant GM, head of analytics. I'm not sure if he was there or not. And, of course, uh, a certain manager, AJ Hinch, was there. Uh, so, <laughs> for all the questions, how involved is AJ? As fo- AJ is the only manager I saw with my own eyes. I think I remember another writer saying there might have been Cora. Maybe there was... I think, at most, there was, like, one other manager there. AJ... Was there, so that does tell you a little bit about how you know ingrained he is in the front office decisions. Um, he was also, I think, interviewing some hitting coaches, which I think very smart move by AJ. Hey, let me set up these interviews in Vegas uh, so I get an excuse to go hang out and... I think AJ likes the kind of the schmoozing and, and talking with various people in the industry. He's a super well-connected guy. He's working the front um, office. So I, you know, yeah, see some people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with AJ going. I, I would argue it's a good thing that your manager and GM are on such a same page. That he's he's there at these meetings. But it is kind of funny. He was possibly the only manager. certainly one of probably you could count on one hand if there were other guys there
0: who were flying under the radar that's awesome and i will always give credit to anybody who's and, and i didn't
1: i didn't really see aj much he was uh he was holed up in the hotel at work other than i think he had like coffee with a couple people in the morning he was he was hard at work yeah, that's good and i don't know at night you know the all the all the lowly riders kind of stayed in the hotel and spent our money on 15 dollar bud lights <laughs> you would see the the execs kind of get cabs and head elsewhere so i don't know what I'm sure they went to some high room Look, places. If, and if, if I
0: had an excuse to go to Vegas, you know, best believe I'm taking the excuse to go to Vegas. So credit to AJ, hey, cre- right. credit to you for, uh, for, for doing that. And so it
1: wasn't all $15 a Bud Light though. I did get a shot from a bottle of tequila that supposedly Otani had gifted his agents and they, uh, they had brought it down to the lobby. So that, that was cool. Was it good? It, it was not cheap tequila you, i don't know what it, it was i tasted it yeah i tasted it and i was like that was not jose cuervo that was like smooth it was yeah
0: all right well look that that's what you go there for you know what i mean <laughs> you, you didn't anticipate you were going to get a shot of tequila from the agents of <laughs> Otani, I did not. you know Maybe like not. that's that's exactly what you go there for and you know, these things are also sort of like a meeting of the minds and we and we kinda get like a little bit of a glimpse of like where the sport is going when these things kinda go on and it's connected to what we were talking about earlier with getting a left-handed infield bat and maybe just in general across the board in baseball, like a little bit of a higher priority to get some left-handed bats because you know is there a thought i think there is is there a thought that some of these left-handed hitters are going to be maybe a little bit more valuable with the shift being outlawed and not being able to you know put four guys on the on the right side of the field left side of uh, yeah right side of the field uh, left side if you're you know from the other direction I think there's a lot of merit to that. I think there might be a little bit of an increase in um, in wanting some quality left handed hitting and consequentially maybe an increase in having some left handed relievers who can shut down left handed hitters, you know, and who knows what's gonna happen with like the Gregory Suttles of the world, but that either makes him more valuable to the Tigers or makes him more valuable to a team that wants to trade for him. So I think we might get a little bit of a lefty renaissance here, Cody. I'm just kind of reading the tea leaves here. Am I off base?
1: No, I think you're spot on. I think Scott Harris even mentioned that a little bit. I think people around the game are uh, prepping for that. You know, uh, Scott Boris mentioned it, talking about Corey Seager, you know, and how, how good he could be now that we're not going to have this shift. So many of these guys have had hits taken away, and teams have internal data that shows exactly who is going to benefit more and who might not benefit as much. A guy like Joey Gallo, who is high strikeout, doesn't put the ball in play, will he benefit as much as a a Seager? I don't know. But even a guy like Joey Gallo, who is pull heavy, has been shifted heavy his entire major league career. Hmm, could he be a nice buy-low candidate for someone? Uh, Tigers don't really need a left-handed outfielder, so I don't think it's Detroit, but I almost I almost wish they had that opening. It's like, Joey Gallo's a good player who could well be better now that he doesn't have to hit against the shift. Maybe that'll influence him to hit for a little more contact, he doesn't have to worry about, I gotta hit it over these dudes or I'm gonna ground out. Um, he's just one of many left-handed hitters uh, who I do think will see an uptick in value. And you make a great point taking it to the next level. What does this mean for lefty relievers? Like, that's the next adjustment teams have to make. That uh, shows the constant back-and-forth cat-and-mouse that uh, that baseball can be. And we're going to really see this play out over the next couple of years as we deal with more rule changes. And bring that up with Wilson Contreras. We don't know exactly when robo Wumps are coming, but if robo Wumps are here in the next couple of years, then why? Do, maybe we shouldn't care as much as Wilson, about Wilson Contreras' its defense.
0: No, and... I also think that we speculate about these things and I assume that there's a lot of insider knowledge the ones that know no type deal in baseball that probably know some of these things are happening or able to we talk about chessboard able to kind of make a move in advance you know maybe a move that doesn't seem that great in the moment but at the same time may maybe pay dividends uh, later on we also got some updates. We can't go too far without talking about this stuff, Cody. We got we we got some procedural updates, I guess you could call it. You know, some forty man stuff. And, and oh yeah, nothing
1: nothing super surprising, but the roster. A lot of dudes yes. have been uh, whacked. Well,
0: okay, so dudes have been whacked, but also we got some injury. Um, I guess, rehab updates. Uh, probably the best news of that was Matt Manning is in his normal offseason routine. So we had the the forearm and the shutdown and, you know, anything, especially if you're a Here, here's, here's a great, here's
1: a great, just a little behind the scenes. There's was like, again, so Scott kind of tells us, all right, from now on, we're going to be basically just providing you a bi-weekly list of injury updates so that basically so that, you know that. in season AJ doesn't have to go like this, yeah, guy, this yeah. guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and maybe like something gets lost and like, and as long as I told this guy, so as long as you're as transparent as you can possibly be, that's probably easier. Just don't start lying on there, you know, which I guess they could lie via what they say just as easily. Um, so anyway, you know, that comes out, and, and he he tells us we're going to get this, like, after his presser, and someone's like, well, is there anything we're going to need to, like, ask you about after we get this? Like, what about Matt Manning? And he just kind of doesn't really say anything, and, like, I was fully based on that interaction. Like, oh, is this thing about to oh, say, shit. like, Matt Manning is scheduled for surgery because he's, like, not... <laughs> right. I feel like he could have just been like, no, nah, Matt's okay. Uh, I, I guess it was part of the grand unveiling of this new, like, injury, you know sheets right. or whatever uh so good news is matt manning he's okay pretty much everyone as scheduled some guys still rehabbing from surgery the one bummer kyle Funkhauser, yeah. had had shoulder surgery in the summer still not even throwing
0: so that doesn't seem good and i was just trying to look it up on my phone i couldn't find her real quick the jake rogers one seemed like not I was looking for a little bit more glowing there. Like, I I, I thought it was...
1: Yeah, I, I got some insight on Jake. Jake was really... You know, there was a point in the summer it sounded like Jake could return at the end of the year, and he really wanted to. He really wanted to go at least hit in the minors. It sounds like the Tigers kind of decided, like, hey, your calling card, your top tool is your arm. We don't want to do anything to mess with it. The exact rehab specifications are a little more unknown for pitch for catchers than they are for pitchers. Like what do we have to do to make sure when you come back, your arm is just as good, if not better than it ever was. And so they were really conservative. It does seem, I I think AJ, he might've had some kind of setback early in the throwing program. So I think it said he's at let's say 90 feet. I don't want to say the wrong thing here, but he's sounds like he's still like, he's not full speed, long toss, you know, um, but having talked to some people in the know, I, I think they're still optimistic about Jake, that everything is one plan. It's just like ultra conservative because of how much they value his arm. Same time, I don't know that the Tigers are going to add Wilson Contreras. I do think they are going to do something at catcher. I do think the early shapes of this plan or Jake Rogers probably starts in AAA to A, make sure he's fully healthy, to get him back in the swing of, you know, hitting the ball, which yeah. he hasn't done in forever and which he already has a somewhat... Uh, sketchy track mm-hmm. record with, so I think I think the Tigers will add a catcher. um I do think things are fine with Jake, but I would uh, chances are he probably is looking at, at not being on the opening day roster.
0: Yeah, and if and if you just saw a bunch of names and you're trying to pierce through, obviously the biggest thing with the the 40 man stuff, which I I do anticipate this is going to be a constant churning, especially as. Uh, You know, none of these guys are Scott Harris guys, right? So there's going to be like a constant churning at the bottom end of the roster. And I obviously don't mean that disrespectfully, but the guys are the fringe. And uh, one of them was Victor Reyes, a guy who, you know, anybody could have talked themselves into something over the past couple of years. And it just wasn't there. It was a
1: sign of where we are at. There was no emotion attached to Rule 5 pick Victor Reyes. He did... You know, some, some nice things in a very bad era of Tigers baseball. The reality with Victor, uh he's worth 0.6 wins above replacement in his career. He has a 3.8% career walk rate. He has 16 career home runs in more than 1,200 plate appearances. So I think it was time to yeah. move on.
0: So he was out... Yeah, well, well, he was outrighted and he opted for free agency. So uh, you know, more credit to him. Hope everything, you know goes well for him. It's obviously his you know contractual right to do that. So um, hope everything goes well for him in the future. but you know, the bottom line is that's exactly the kind of guy that the past four years. Tigers fans, Tigers media trying to speculate to see, like, who could pop, you know, uh, have speculated on. And I think there's going to be a lot of the guys that we speculated on that maybe some people tried to plant their flag in that are just going to no longer be a part of the picture. And that's natural. So, like, like one of the things I I I, I want to get to Jamie Candelardo here in a second, Cody, but I have to, like, I, I, I have to kind of get this off my chest a little bit is that whether we're going to call this a rebuild or not, the team is still rebuilding. Fair to say? Fair to say? Rebuilding team. Like, trying to get, get, you know, get, they're not at a point where they, right, they're building up talent. So Detroit fans tend to do this. And you know what? I bet you every fan base does it, but I'm really in tune with the Detroit fans. Is that, like, get kind of hung up on, like, the fringe level team building roster construction decisions, and, and so, like, an example would be like the Pistons taking Balsa I'm gonna mispronounce his name, Copra Copra Kaka or whatever his I name is, at the end of the 2021 NBA draft. Name, <laughs> yeah, like from Florida State, they took him because his agent is an agent for like all the top players, so they did him a solid the lions not spending yeah. a lot of money on a kicker it's like like you know like these kind of like what why is Roddy magruder have a roster on the Pistons? it's like all these kind of things that people kind of harp on it's like it's not really big picture stuff to kind of I'm lose sleep over <laughs> are worth 140 characters
1: the, the number 9 or 10 guy on the roster for
0: sure yeah yes definitely and and we're going to get that I guarantee no, we, sure. we get it with the tigers all the time, but we're gonna get that a lot with, with with Scott Harris. Every little move, it's like I can't believe he didn't do this. That's just what I want. It's just like take a deep breath. This is. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of moving pieces. Not. There's not a complete picture here. So I just. I. I like if I. If I could give Scott some advice, I would be like. They're gonna be like the smallest decisions or moves that you make and there are going to be people that are going to be like I can't believe you did this I can't believe it why would you waste this money this traffic or whatever on this person like it's going to be fine everybody these are not the moves at the final organization they're just on the fringe like relax so that I just had to get that off my chest okay the jamer thing the jamer thing is interesting Non tender candidate. We've talked about this. I believe he'd get like
1: he made 5, he made five point eight. He would, in theory, get a raise over he, six. He, he six would six get and a half million probably.
0: Yeah. That's gonna be. So this is the kind of decision that whatever happens is gonna be something that I just talked about. Where it's like I can't believe you gave him this amount of money, or I can't believe you did this. I'm here to tell you that I have gone over a lot of scenarios regarding Jamer Candelario in my head, and I have not landed on one that I thought, that's 100% the right play. I haven't landed on it. I'm not here trying to say that I think Jamer's going to turn into something that he's not, because I don't. I also think... Well, if you're trying to get a left-handed bat, are you going to give away someone who's, you know, I know Switch, but, you know, a majority left-handed hitter who not too long ago led the league in doubles? And again, I'm not trying to cling onto something, but, like, what are you replacing them with? And then, you know, you've written about it. Other people have speculated on it. You know, you're not tender them You bring them back for a lower number, and I think that sounds, like, cool on paper, but I also think, like,
1: yeah, it doesn't actually happen that often. Would he the, do that? You'd like, probably I don't piss know. off the agent and the player when you're not tender. Yeah, yeah. They may yeah, say, yeah. "Oh, you don't want me? I will go somewhere else." Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So right. why would I come here for a five million dollar pay cut? You know, when the when the team is you know not good, right? It's not like you're on the fringe of a World Series, and he's like, "Yeah, I just want to be a part of a winning team or whatever." You know, like you know the like it. It's a hard one for me to wrap my head around as to what I think is like, hey, Scott, do this. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know where you land on it either. So, where do you kind of land on this? Like, do you even (laughs) land? Should we even land on it? Jamer,
1: Jamer, Jamer. No, no, I don't. Jamer is, I think we use this analogy to like something. Jamer is that, like, that relationship that you just can't quit and it's toxic and you break up but then you get that like 2 a.m. text like hey you up next thing you know you got a you know, double <laughs> you're you know hanging out with this person again for a couple weeks yeah exactly and so just when you think the Jamer candelario era is over he had a very bad year he the victim of his own success because now he's not worth the salary he's going to make Just when you think it's over it's like well who are you going mm-hmm. to replace him with this guy Free agent crop of third baseman is, I would argue, terrible. Uh, Brandon Drury is a pretty good player. He actually had such a good year. He might not be super cheap. Chase Peterson, that lefty bat. I'm starting to like that name, but maybe is more like a you like is he really your third baseman? Third baseman. Uh, Evan Longoria has Scott Harris ties. Do you feel great about bringing him in? He's, he's up like there. 30. Yeah. he's gonna be 38 next year. Uh, after that, it's like zero to negative war, guys. So um, as much as sometimes, most of the time, always, the best thing to do with a toxic relationship is just to quit cold turkey, move on, find yourself something more fulfilling and more healthy. You know, something more healthy ain't out there. Like I was actually going to say, maybe the analogy
0: is actually... uh, It's like you're... I know it's different, male to female, but it's like you're thirty six years old and you're ready to settle down, and you've been with this person for four years, and you know, she she she's thirty three or yeah, thirty two yeah. or whatever. It's like, because uh, I mean, I'll 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 I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. this has nothing to do with jammer, but I'll just share a little anecdote about how I came to be in this world. Is that my parents are eleven years apart. My dad was 39. My mom was uh, 28, 29 you know depending on you know what, when in the year was. my mom was like, I'm ready to settle down and have a family. So that could be with you. They've been together for six years. That could be with you. It could be with somebody else too. so you're gonna have to piss or get off the pot. <laughs> my dad's like it's the scariest thing I ever did, but it was the best thing I ever did. um so yeah i mean maybe maybe that's the jammer thing is that like you know like what in the meantime what better options are there
1: so so here here's here's where i land with jammer i would not pay him 6.5 million dollars you can't trust him he's up and down his defense also if his defense were better or at least more stable i'd feel better about it you know he's been around my like now we know his. He's a nice guy, but I don't know that he's, like, the mentally toughest guy, if I'm being real honest. So that doesn't—I think that probably explains a little bit of the up and down with Jamer. But if you non tinder Jamer, if I'm another team, and I'm looking at this list of third basemen, I'm thinking, oh, you talk about a great buy-low candidate. It's Jamer Candelario. If you remove the name Jamer Candelario, put blank names, numbers, money— I'd probably say, oh, well, yeah, Tiger should have this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where we land. Maybe, I hope Scott has a way to trade for a better option. Even then, I don't really know who's out at third baseman on the trade market. Because this Jamer thing just makes you scratch your head. And And other teams, there's going to be another team that will take a chance on him. And we know the guy is capable of hitting and being a good player at the Major League level. So it is just a total, like, it's a total puzzle. I don't know what the answer is. Just when I... I once again, I don't know. Well, I don't that's have why, a
0: That's why them dudes get paid the big bucks with the guaranteed contracts. And uh,
1: I think if you could bring him back at like $3.5 million, that would be what I would do. That's About a game video game thing that, to me. Like, I, uh, Yeah, I don't think that's actually practical. So,
0: Yeah, and uh, I will say this. I also... One of the things that I don't like about how, you know, sort of like baseball operations work, and I mean that broadly, is that I wish like free agency would open and there would be like a litany of moves and, you know, yeah. and, and, but, you know, so we're, at least we don't have any sort of. I almost missed the,
1: uh, I'm glad there's not a freaking lockout. That was but, fun. Like, the, kind of the soft deadline, mm-hmm. like number one, I could kind of plan my life a little bit better. Number two, it had a flurry of activity. I almost, I almost wish they had something like that. Yeah. Some kind oh. of deadline or, like, a date. Or, yeah, yeah,
0: it was fun to kind of, like, be up at, like, 2 in the morning randomly and be like, oh, this Tigers are about to sign Javier Baez, you know, and then, you know, waiting for it. And, you know, there were some benefits to the last offseason, even if it didn't uh net anything for the Tigers. So, all right, well, you know, Cody, is there anything else Vegas otherwise emptying the notebook you kind of wanted to speak on?
1: No, not really, man. We uh, we skipped the you know the mailbag where I compared players to Taylor Swift lyrics. I uh, hope you guys will check that out if you haven't. I don't know that we need to spend ten minutes on it, but greatly enjoyed it. I Was very proud of
0: myself for, for that. Compliment. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're an Athletic subscriber, which you should be, uh, you can you can read that in its entirety, and and also a reflection that your audience knows you so well. Credit to you, credit to your audience. Uh, to ask that question, and you know that's great off-season content. It was timely as well, so you know not that that's what we need. That's what we need, especially when the off-season is gonna drag out because no one's gonna sign and all that stuff. So that's great if you're an Athletic subscriber, you can read it. If you're not an Athletic subscriber, you should be. I'm sure there's a deal out there that you could subscribe to the Athletic for a discounted price. Please follow Cody on Twitter at. Cody Stabenhagen. I am at Kieran underscore Steckley. Our pod pages at Turn Corner Pod. Please subscribe, rate, and review five stars. We very appreciate very much appreciate it. Apple, Spotify. So I hope everybody has an amazing week. We're getting closer to the holidays. Hope everything is not as hectic as my life is right now. Trying to figure out what relatives are coming over. That's a story maybe for another day, but. That's okay. That's what uh, that's what we do here. So, for Cody Stavenhagen, I'm Kieran Steckley. Everybody have an amazing.